Let's stand together and uh, we are beginning a series on the, uh, the 10 words and um, we are going to be looking at it this morning from uh, uh, Exodus chapter 31 verse 18 and then from uh, Exodus chapter 35, 15 and 16. Now, now we're not going to read from uh, 31, 18 to 35, uh, 15. We're just going to read three verses on two slides and I'm going to join you on the second slide so that the recording can pick it up for those that are watching online. And for all of those of you that are watching online, good morning and welcome. This is what it says. This is Exodus 31, 18. And he gave to Moses, God did, he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back where they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. Well done. Let's pray together. Father, we pause again to just to acknowledge your presence. You are here in the person of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful and thankful for your expression of love to us, so extravagant and so generous in Jesus, and for the work and ministry of the Spirit that takes everything that you've accomplished and makes it applicable and possible and available in our lives. And so we ask now, as we look at your word, that you would give us a voice to speak, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to understand. And as we leave this facility, this property, and as we go out into our lives in our regular work week from Monday to Saturday, our homes, our marriages, our families, our education, our work, wherever it is that we buy and get our services, that you would teach us, that you would help us by the Holy Spirit to live out tangibly and practically in meaningful ways, what it means to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so we give you praise and give you thanks and ask all of this in Christ's name alone. Amen. Why don't you be seated? So we are talking about 10 words. Now this is a series on the 10 commandments. Now how many of you remember the late show with um, David Letterman? Okay, I know that most of us godly people would not watch Letterman, but every now and then I would. How many of you watch Letterman? Okay, remember one of the things that he used to do, some of them are really funny and some of them not so much, but he used to do the top 10 list. Well, the 10 commandments is kind of like God's original top 10 list. Now, how well do we know the 10 commandments? How much do we know about the Ten Commandments? And how many commandments are there in the Ten Commandments? It's a trick question. How many of you know where to find the Ten Commandments in the Bible? Exodus 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Did you know that there are also other names for the Ten Commandments? For example, it's called the Decalogue. Deca means ten, and loge means Word, and that's where we get the uh, title for the series, The Ten Words. It's actually the ten sayings or the ten verses 
or the ten matters. In Hebrew, it's called Lukat Baharbrit. Lukat Habrit, it means the tablets of the covenant. Now, here's the last question I have for you today. How many of us can name the Ten Commandments? How many of us can name them? Here's what I want you to do. Uh, Get together with the person next to you, and I'll give you a minute and a half, two minutes, and see how many commandments you can actually identify. And if you're watching online, if there's somebody in the room with you, you do the same thing. If you're not and you're alone, see how many you can come up with yourself. Come on. How How many of the Ten Commandments can you identify right now with the person next to you? I should have added without looking at the Bible. I see some of you cheating. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say it's cheating. I didn't give you the parameters. Some of you. Okay. How many of you got all 10? Raise your hand. Oh, that's so discouraging. How many of you got nine? Okay, okay, you're, Mike, I'm, I'm loving you right now. I'm just kind of loving you. You're my hope right now. How many of you got eight? Oh, see, now we're getting better. See, that's what we need, just eight commandments. A little, how many got seven? Oh, man, we went downhill there. How many got six? How many got five? I don't want to know the rest. By the way, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. of people who believe that the Ten Commandments are binding, only 15% of them can name five. But here they are. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall shall not make for yourself any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. I wish Scott was here right now. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet. All of them by memory, written on my iPad here. Now, the Ten Commandments are divided neatly into two sections. The first four are about God. The last six are about human beings. In other words, the first four are vertically focused, the last six are horizontally focused, or, to put it in this way, the first four tell us how to love God. 
how to have reverence for God. The last six teach us how we are to love one another and have respect for one another. But what we learn from our text is that the Ten Commandments proceed from the heart and the hand or the hand and the heart of God. Now, we know from the biblical record that there were two sets of Ten Commandments. The first set were inscribed by the finger of God literally. That's what our text in Exodus uh, tells us, that God literally inscribed the tablets with his finger, the ten sayings, the ten verses, the ten words, the ten commandments. Now, as the story goes, while Moses was lingering up on Mount Sinai for 40 years, the ancient people of Israel got restless. And they didn't know whether or not Moses had gone into real estate and decided to settle down up there, so they got Aaron to set up a golden calf. And Aaron, of course, is Moses' older brother by two years, and, and they begin to um, uh, dance around this uh, golden calf. And just as things were starting to get going, Moses finally reappears. And when he sees what's going on, he just loses it. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 32, 19, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. And hence comes the joke. Who is the most shocking lawbreaker in the entire Bible? Moses, because he broke all of the Ten Commandments at once. There you have it. So Moses had to hike it back up to the mountain and get a second set of commandments. And I like the way the Bible says things. So Exodus chapter 34 verse 1 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. I really like that last line which you broke. Now, tradition says that Moses, that the first set were, as I said, inscribed literally by the finger of God, and that when Moses went up the second time, that he had to actually chisel out the Ten Commandments himself. There is no biblical reference that actually suggests that to us. But here's what we learn, is this. When we break God's commands, we only make life harder or ourselves. And then there's this. The Ten Commandments were inscribed by God and by the finger of God, and they reflect his person. They are the product of the heart and the hand of God. And because God is a moral person, our moral standards originate from him. And therefore, we take our understanding, our standards of right and wrong from the Ten Commandments. The second thing we learn about the Ten Commandments is that they also reflect God's person. Now, what God instructed Moses to do was to take the Ten Commandments and put them in the Ark of the Covenant. 
And we all know, or maybe you don't know, but most of us know that the Ark of the Covenant was this gold box that uh, represented the presence of God, and we'll talk about that some other time in the, in the near future. And the, the Ten Commandments was to be placed in there, but the, uh, the key thing about the Ark of the Covenant is that the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God amongst the ancient people of Israel, and it symbolized that God was present that he was there among them, with them, amongst them. And so we also associate the presence of God in the giving of the Ten Commandments. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago in Genesis, sorry, in Exodus chapter 19, and this is where Moses goes up, uh, is about to go up the mountain, and the, and the Bible says this, and on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. The people trembled for fear of God. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the fire or in fire. When Moses goes back up the mountain the second time after he broke the first set of commandments because of his anger... When he goes up to the mountain the second time, we get an even more majestic picture of the presence of God. And this is what it says in Exodus 34, 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now listen to what it says. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now what that tells us is that we cannot separate the presence of God from the Ten Commandments, from the God who gave them. And here's the point. The point is that where God's presence is, there his is blessing as well. Let me say it again. Where God's presence is, there also is his blessing along with it. That's why we are told these words in Deuteronomy. They are actually repeated for us in, in Nehemiah. But Deuteronomy chapter 7 says, Now therefore, sorry, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now, what that tells us is this. When and where the law of God is honored, there also resides God's blessing and prospering. Now, that is true both personally, because Psalm chapter 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, talking about us as people. But it's also true publicly. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 
When and where the law, the law of God is honored, there also is God to bless and to prosper. Now, the Ten Commandments reveal God's person. They also reveal God's presence, but they also reveal God's purpose. And God's purpose and God's will is that the Ten Commandments would provide a framework for society. Now, most of us know that in Canada and in the Western world, in the West, the uh, the, the society is built on the Judeo-Christian principle that is built off of and on the Ten Commandments. But not everybody knows this. There are some, in fact, who say that the Western culture in Canada should not be built on the Judeo-Christian principle. In other words, they say we don't need the Ten Commandments anymore. And what we are seeing in our world, in our country, and in the West is a serious and an ongoing turning our backs on the very principles and the values that got us to where and who we are today. We can't get away from that. But every society, every culture needs a moral code to survive. And for centuries, the Ten Commandments have been exactly that for us in the West. And so there's three things that I want us to consider. First of all is independence. Independence. Now the argument goes like this. The Ten Commandments are obsolete. And those who say that they're obsolete argue that we are living in a time, a different time, in a different age than the one when Moses and in ancient Bible times went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. They argue that the Ten Commandments no longer relate to the serious issues that we are experiencing, like climate change and terrorism and nuclear weapons and poverty and assisted suicide. And further, they argue that nobody likes to be commanded anything. Nobody likes to be told to do anything. And so we tend to value independence because we have such a high value of individualism. And individualism overshadows the moral principles of the Ten Commandments in our society because nobody has the right to tell me what is right or what is wrong. I am my own person. And nobody has the right to tell me that I am right or that I am wrong. And then that leads us to intolerance. Now, intolerance used to be used in reference to things like racism and prejudice and injustice. Displaying an irrational attitude of hostility toward a specific group or race. Holding an opinion without just grounds or sufficient knowledge. Or withholding justice from those who are vulnerable and marginalized and who are at risk. And these things should offend us. But intolerance has come to mean something very different for us. 
It means disagreeing with anybody else's beliefs. That's intolerance. That I do not have the right to tell another person that they are wrong. Whoever and whatever one desires to worship, or whoever and whatever one desires to believe in, is the most important thing. And now we are back to the sacredness of individual choice, which is supreme. That tolerance in is our chief virtue in our society. Now, the argument that I love the most, and I'm mustering all the sarcasm I can, is this one. Those who argue that we cannot support the Ten Commandments because we want to be sensitive to all faiths. Now, those who make that argument um, forget this, that Christians, Jews, and Muslims all confirm the Ten Commandments. And even Buddhists and Hindus do not reject them. Do you know what the um, golden rule is? What's the golden rule? I'm going to need the interpretation on that. What is the golden rule? That's what Jesus said, right? And listen to what he says and how he says it, because this is very important. Listen to context. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law, meaning the Ten Commandments and the Prophets. A few years ago, I was invited um, to go to Turkey uh, for a couple of weeks uh, to be a part of a Christian-Muslim dialogue. And when I was to get back, um, I was to do a, a presentation on my experience, my observations, and uh, my findings. And in my research, I ran across a Catholic theologian by the name of Hans Kuhn. And this is one of the things that he said. He said, the principle that every human being should be treated in a humane way and the principle of the golden rule are, golden rule are not just principles between individuals, but also between nations, social groups, ethnic groups, and religions. That means four things. It means, first of all, respect for life. In other words, the age-old directive don't kill, don't murder, or torture, or torment, or wound. And one that goes with it is deal honestly and fairly. In other words, don't steal, don't exploit, don't bribe, don't be corrupt. And then speak and act truthfully. In other words, don't lie, don't deceive, don't force, don't manipulate. And then finally... Be respectful and love one another. In other words, don't sexually abuse, don't cheat, don't humiliate, and don't dishonor. Wendell Berry said this. He said, respect implies imagination. The ability to see one another across our inevitable differences as living souls. As living souls. That the person 
sitting next to me, the person that lays next to me at night is not just a female, but a living soul made in the image of God. The person sitting next to you this morning is more than just a human being. They are a living soul. The person that I hate the most is not just a person, but a living soul. A living soul. But here's what Kuhn said, getting back to him. He said, these principles are rules occur not only in the Ten Commandments of the Hebrew Bible, confirmed in the New Testament and in the Quran, but also in the Buddhist canon and in Chinese tradition. In other words, the moral law is remarkably consistent from one culture to the next. And the moral law has to do with community life, how we treat each other, our relatives, our friends, our neighbors, and strangers. But there's also this. The Ten Commandments and the Lex Divina, the Roman law, are the historical roots of our legal system. We can't have our legal system without the Romans or without the Ten Commandments. And then there is interpretation. Now, I've touched on this, but... We hear a lot about objective truth. People say objective truth is is a joke. Everything is relative. What may be true for you may not necessarily be true for me. What is true for me may not necessarily be true to you. Truth is relative. And then morality, that morality is really a matter, a simple matter of choice and desire. That my morality is about what I desire, what I choose, what I want. And the Bible tells us that what happens when we have those attitudes is recorded in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And if you want to know what it's like in ancient Israel, where everybody did what they thought was right in their own eyes, then just go to Genesis chapter 19, verses 22 to 30. And sorry, not Genesis, Judges 19, 22 to 30, and 24 and 6. And you may will find one of the most terrifying biblical texts in the Bible. But here's our point without a moral framework, Society crumbles into personal corruption and public factions. In other words, without the Ten Commandments, the Western culture is without a moral compass and finds itself in an ethical freefall. And here's the catch. We want freedom from rules and commandments and transcendent moral principles, but we hate the moral chaos that ensues. But there's also this, that the Ten Commandments are fixed. I like the way somebody wrote it. What Moses brought down from the mountain were not ten suggestions. They are ten commandments, are 
not were. Do we know why they are still relevant today as they always were? Do we know why? Because of this. Because they are inherent in our human heart. Romans chapter 2 actually bears this out. The intimate and immediate knowledge of God's law, the Ten Commandments, is actually innate in our human souls. There's no getting away from it. All people know intrinsically that God's law exists. And then that leads us to this question. Have we ever stopped to consider the reason for the attack or the opposition to the Ten Commandments? And the reason is because we all want to go our own way. We all want to do what is right in our own eyes. We all want to do what is according to our desires. It's called rebellion. It's not new, and it's not rocket science. And Romans bears this out as well. Our primal sin, it has been said, is our refusal to honor God as God, refusing to acknowledge that we know to be true. And the Greeks, the Greeks had a, had a name for this. They had a name for the pride that comes with this idea that we can transcend human limitations. They called it hubris. Hubris. And this is hubris because the Ten Commandments are an indelible truth. They function as fixed points. Now, there are three kinds of laws. Some people say four, but we believe, and I believe, three kinds of laws. And first of all, these three kinds of laws, they exist like this. First of all, there are what we call natural laws. Now, if we try to attempt to fight or go against a natural law, we're going to get caught every time. So, for example, if I decide that um, I'm going to jump off this building, and um, it doesn't matter if I do that here, or I do that in Vancouver, or I do that in Tokyo, the result is always the same. It's, seven, it's 24 7, 365. I am going to hit the ground like a rock. It's called gravity. And it does not matter whether I know about gravity or not, whether I agree with gravity or not, or whether I believe in gravity or not. Natural laws are natural laws no matter what. Actually, the same is true for man-made laws. The police officer who stopped me for speeding. And when I argued with him that I didn't know the speed limit, he said, well, it's your responsibility as a driver of this vehicle to know the speed limit, and here's a $135 fine to remind you. 
But the same is true of our moral or spiritual or God's laws. I cannot defy the laws that are set in motion no matter what I know about them, whether I agree with them or believe in them. They are fixed. North is north. I can believe that north is some other direction, but it does not change the fact of north. Truth is a slippery concept. It is whatever I sincerely believe it to be. I can believe a thing, and I can be sincere in my belief. But my believing it does not make it so. The same is true when we come to the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, the same is true when we come to biblical wisdom. Somebody said this. Biblical wisdom is not true because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it's true. We're going to get ready for communion. But I want to just share this one last quote. And I'm a little troubled by it. Because somebody was reading the notes and came up to me this morning and said, what does that last quote mean? So I'm going to leave it to you to figure it out. It's by Walter Kaiser. That name alone should be foreboding. He said this, there is a positive base for morality and ethical action in the Old Testament, talking about the Ten Commandments. And we will abandon it at a peril of our own ability to walk and live as our God has directed us to go. God's law, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, the Ten Matters, the Ten Verses, the Decalogue. Some declare it's obsolete. Some say it is too intolerant. And others say that truth is in the eye of the beholder, like beauty. We don't say any of those things. We believe the Ten Commandments are inspired and written by the finger of God. And over the next 11 weeks, I know there's only Ten Commandments, but 11 weeks, I'm doing the math in my head and i got to figure it out. We're going to be looking at these Ten Commandments.